welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have a jam-packed podcast for all of you listeners. Have a couple of things to accomplish on today's show. A, we continue our College Contender Series, breaking down our top 10 teams heading into the 2022 seasons. We have reached the number two team in our preseason top 10, the University of Tennessee, coming off of an SEC tournament win, coming off of an NCAA Final Four appearance. They obviously picked up some additions, very notable this offseason. We want to discuss that, discuss how they can take the next step forward here in 2022 as well. But given where we're at in the calendar, we've also got some results to discuss on today's show. An opening weekend in Texas to remember for three matches, the name of the game across the board. We want to break those down. Talk about the latest iteration of the ITA College Tennis Coaches Ranking. Talk about the resources now available for college tennis fans everywhere. And joining me on today's podcast to do just that are the two other members of our College Tennis Holy Trinity. Now let's start where we always start. You know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula Predictions. Just kidding! That shows you where my brain is at. Let me be clear and leave it all in, Westoff. Two hours of sleep, folks. It's Australian Open time. We'll start where we always start. Former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net. The forefather of the I'm going to pick the favorites formula. Uh, Predictions, literally, whatever the UTR are. Not never far, whatever they are. Uh, But of course, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Better half of this Dekoyak brother duo. It's our friend, Matt the Cracks Dekoyak. Maddie. hey, great shot. I'm sorry. My brain is mush. How are you? Oh, Gruskin. Gruskin, Gruskin, Gruskin. Here, let me just say one thing. Look, I'm the anti-UTR guy. You know that, right? <laughs> Don't tell me that I go strictly off UTR. I am, I despise UTR. You know that. So no, um, maybe chalk according to seeds when we're talking about grand slams. I'll give you that. But as far as UTR goes, uh-uh. That's not going to fly, man. You're the one person who puts more value in the ITA rankings than the UTR rankings. And shout out to you, Maddie. You're like, no, those rankings are pristine. Maybe now that you're a voter, you'll be just purely the USTA poll. That's all you'll believe in uh, moving forward. But of course, potentially, yeah, joining us to sift through all of these results and discuss what he's got available for College Tennis Nation everywhere is the third member of our College Tennis Holy Trinity and the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames who now has multiple five-star reasons to root for the Liberty Flames. Lover of mothers. Lover of Almond Joys. The snitch. The professor. One-shouldered designer. He quotes Henry for his UTR lower than a five. And of course, he played college baseball. It's Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good, although I'm kind of wishing that if you were going to reverse the intros for me and Maddie, that I was at least for 30 seconds going to be the former four-star recruit. (laughs) 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 Couldn't I get that just once? Just just one time. Four-star engineering prospect coming out of school. Yeah, for sure. They didn't have stars when I was going to college, so (laughs) there was no no tennis recruiting network. You know, I... (laughs) 
Now, actually, though, yeah. you were the first player they ever put on tennis recruiting who had a not rated listed next to his name. They're just like, yeah. we're not even going to try. We're not going to do it. Not rated. Plenty of matches, just not rated. No, you know how in a draw, if someone's name's in all capital letters, you know they're not legit? That's you. It's like Chris Halioris. And it's like, oh, okay, so he sucks. That's good to know. Uh, moving forward. But, of course, gentlemen, it's always great to have you both back. And there are so many places for us to go in this discussion. Honestly, Maddie, you and I could talk Australian Open. I want to hear your thoughts about the first few days. I don't care what you have to say, Chris. But the place we have to start is the action that actually delayed my Australian Open day one viewing. And that, of course, was some of the Sunday college tennis. Now, don't worry. We're not going to talk about why there's no reason to hit the panic button after Michigan's 4-2 victory over Virginia Tech. I know some of you listeners thought I was going to sneak that into the top, and I suppose I just did there. But a win's a win. We can get there, I suppose, if you want at the end. But the place we have to start, TCU, Texas, home of all of the action. Now, the Horn Frogs, still a winning weekend. They knock out Tennessee on Friday, or excuse me, knock out Florida. Again, brain mush, leave it in. Knock out Florida on Friday. Dramatic 4-3 victory clinched by Jake Fernley in the end. They then take the doubles point, seemingly get off to a fast start against Tennessee. There was a 10-15 minute span there where it felt like they had momentum. Ultimately, though, the topic of today's podcast, and so I'm going to ask, we're going to save that TCU-Tennessee match as our transition into Tennessee but you look for TCU, 1-1 one one on this opening weekend. Could be huge for their rankings moving Florida uh, forward, of course. Speaking of who they beat, Florida Gators immediately bounced back. And if you followed college tennis closely the past two seasons, you know they've been tripped up by the Texas Longhorns 2019, 20, uh, excuse me, 2020, 2021. This season, it's the Gators who do some chomping. They go to Austin, knock off Texas 4-2. I believe, in the end. Was it 4-2? 4-3, Chris? Give me a thumbs up if it's 4-2. I want to say, again, brain is mush here. No, Shelton clinched in the end, right? So 4-3 in the end uh, for the Gators. Point being, and you see where I'm at, there's a lot of matches for us to follow. Let's start with the Friday action, the first nugget of this season, Maddie. Horned Frogs knock off the Gators. They take the doubles point. You know, perhaps even the place to start. Riffis 1, Shelton 2, Vale 3, Andrade 4, Seymour 5, Goodyear 6. Still wasn't enough. TCU gets the victory. Your reaction? Yeah. I mean, look, indoors in Fort Worth, right? I mean, Florida had some things that were going against them. I, I think this says a little bit more about TCU than it does Florida. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, Florida lost a match to TCU. I'm off their bandwagon. They're going to suck. No, look, Florida's going to be just fine. They turned around and, you know, we'll talk about it when they beat Texas in Austin. I think Florida's just fine. I was more impressed with TCU, Gruskin. Their doubles, that's that's looking good. I like it a lot. And they don't even have um, Pedro Vives, right? One of their top uh, freshmen, not even in the lineup as of right now. So they're down a guy that we know for sure is going to be in there. Very impressed, you know, with guys like Aguilar and Jake Fernley and, and, you know, the way that they played against Florida, it was, it was fantastic. And so I think TCU, you know, again, the, the depth they're short, right? If they're missing players, we talked about this, it's going to be a problem. But 
like we also said, if they're fully healthy come postseason time, TCU can play with anybody. There's not a team in the country that they can't beat if they're fully healthy. Um, so I think there were plenty of good signs. Doubles specifically, I mean, I was interested to kind of see, you know, with a lot of new pairings this year, no more Alistair Gray, Teddy Paralek transfers to Baylor, you know, um, Burtis Kruger, who played a lot of dubs for them, is no longer there. So we have new guys that were entering the doubles lineup. I was interested to see how that was going to work out, and and I was impressed. No, it's – first of all, and I apologize because I'll be thinking it if I don't say it this entire podcast. I apologize to all of you listeners. That was a sloppy intro. My brain is better than that. I know it's Australian Open going on right now. You college tennis nation deserve more. So I'm locked in the rest of the way. To your point, we talked about this TCU team in our preseason uh, preview, and we said five and six have to be where they thrive because certainly you look at them, they've got a good top three. Everyone's got a good top three. But in particular, they're four, they're five, they're six. And you mentioned no Vives, no Tim Rule in the lineup for them this weekend either. Still, whomever it is at that five or six spots, whether it's, you know, a Vives, who we think might play a little bit higher, whether it be a Jake Fernley in this instant, that's got to be a spot for them. It was a spot for them this weekend in both of their matches. And we'll talk about the Tennessee component. They were a bit short. They still managed to come up with the victory. That much more impressive in a second. But you talk about it. They take the doubles point versus the Gators. They take the doubles point against a Tennessee team that I'm pretty sure today we're going to call the best doubles point in all of college tennis, if healthy. Chris, let's start again. Continue with the Horned Frogs here. What a start to the season for Coach Rodini. And you feel like from a rankings perspective, even though they only won one of the matches, that win over Florida, because let's say the Gators beat Tennessee during the SEC season or whomever does whatever at the national indoors, that's going to be huge for them come NCAA tournament time. Absolutely. I mean, they're both going to be top five teams, so there's going to be no penalty for losing the match they lost, and there's going to be big gains for the match they won. But yeah. How could you not be, you know, excited for TCU? They, like he's, I, I, I'm assuming Vives is a top three player for TCU. So you're missing a top three guy and you're playing a fully, yep. you know, I, I can't say whether they're fully healthy, but a fully loaded Florida lineup. Now, whether they're totally healthy, I mean, Riffis has played very little, right? U.S. Open and then like one match, one tournament since then, just recently, and that's it. So, so who knows? But, but you're still you're playing a, a Florida team at least that's got all their guys. You're a man down, and you knock them off. You can't you can't be anything but encouraged if you're TCU w- with that result. Now, at the same time, I'll say. Genius, absolute genius from Roditi with Fernley at six. <laughs> Knocks off Josh Goodger, who didn't lose a match all of last year, right? Helps secure that win. We put Vives in the lineup. If, and it's another big if, if Jake Fernley is healthy, he is absolutely not out of this lineup. He is not the number seven guy on this team, meaning six this weekend. He will be in front of Maxted 
Uh, that was just a great little f- opening season stack, if you will. And it, yep. and it served its purpose and, and they got the W. But it was, I mean, a great all-around match from TCU. Yeah, and look, and I'm, this is not a criticism of Coach Roditi and the TCU program because I promise you, all of you who are upset that we didn't get to watch this match, you know who was the most angry about that fact? Coach David Roditi, who I promise you, he's going to get cameras up on those indoors as soon as he can. But you talk about another coaching gem. Aguilar at three doubles? Like, are you kidding me there? Like, what a decision from him. And they don't even get the win against Tennessee, but just the pressure that puts on everyone else. And clearly, Jong has found his rhythm as a doubles player. And, you know, again, you throw the Famba serve at the number one doubles. I just love the balance across the lineup. Again, I should say, in theory, we didn't get to watch these matches too closely. But to your point, Fernley didn't just win. He beat Goodyear in straight sets. And, like... Criticize the four courts all you want. Holy crap, was the drama awesome. Like, it came down to those final two singles matches in both instances. And for Fernley to deliver in both instances, Maddie. and, you know, from here, obviously, I want to transition to the Florida conversation. But your final thoughts. I know you were big on this TCU team who, like, a week ago, I said maybe we were too high on. Clearly, I'm just an idiot. Yeah, no, they're talented. I mean, that's why I knew all along this team was a, was going to be a contending team. It's just, do they have the depth? Can they stay healthy? I mean, that's really the question here. Um, super impressed. Again, I, I think it's, it's encouraging for them. You know, it, they've got a tough schedule. I mean, there's going to be matches. Look, I mean, they, they played Tennessee. I know we'll get into that and, and, you know, a bit of a hangover, I suppose you could say, after beating Florida, and then you have to turn around and play Tennessee. That's that's a bit of a tough schedule, but um, overall, I think if they get Vives healthy and, and he comes back, you know, I still love Famba up there at the top of the lineup in singles and doubles, and they're just talented throughout. I mean, the entire lineup is just every position you go, man, I mean, yeah, they, they have a shot, you know. Jirasek at four. I, I think ideally Rodidi is not going to want to play Jirasek at four the entire year. I I don't think that's that's really the spot for him. When Vives comes back, you can kind of slide Jirasek down, and I think that'll help. But um, yeah, no, they they look good. Yeah, and again, looking for this team moving forward. To your point, Chris, and this is something we've talked about all off season. These margins are going to be so thin. Like, the doubles point is going to matter. All of these 4-3 matches, getting repetitions in that environment, that's going to matter. Tennessee gets two early repetitions and goes 1-1 one one throughout the affair. Now, let's talk about the Florida component because, again, we don't want to spend—we got to talk about Tennessee, and we will at the end, and that'll be our transition. Um, but you look for Florida. Riffis is one. You know, again, Shelton two, Volley three. That's what they went with against TCU, and it was noted that they flipped that against Texas. And by the way, they won number three singles in both matches. We said, who's ever at three, that lock of the century for the Florida Gators. Riffis goes 0-2. We don't know how healthy he is. Obviously, you know, for Ciamara, it's a tough matchup against Ciamara uh, in that— t- or did he play Ciamara in that Texas match? Am I remembering? Or did he play—he Ch- played uh, Cleve. You're right. He played Cleve in the—not uh, Cleve. He played uh, Chichi? Played Chichi? Ciamara C- played Andrade. Andrade, you're right. See, again, shows you where my brain is at. Mush. But so Seymour won against Texas. So that's another win uh, for them. They sweep five singles, I believe, in both matches. And just again, they choose to go Andrade four— Seymour 5, Gujar 6. Chris, no? 
What did I miss up? You guys are shaking your head at me. I like how you're putting CMR on Florida's roster. It's oh, great, yeah. but I, I said CMR. No, I said CMR. Oh. CMR five. Okay. Not CMR. Yeah, CMR. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look. I think the. I think with Florida, we knew we we knew a that we had no clue what they were going to do with the top three. We knew who the top three were going to be. We didn't know what order they would we'd play them in. It may change throughout the year. We knew Riffis didn't have a lot of match time. Not overly surprising to see him go 0-2. A little surprising given that he served up double break 5-2. That kind of hurt. Uh, and luckily, Shelton came through in the Texas match for them. But uh, but look, I'll, I'll be honest. The, uh, the, the disappointment for me from a Florida perspective, which ended up, you know, kind of being the difference at, at TCU, is Ben Shelton. Ben Shelton indoors has to beat Aguilar. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you tell me, hey, Aguilar's playing Shelton, pick the surface. Florida says, let's go indoors. TCU says, let's go outdoors. Yeah. And I mean, now granted, Aguilar's got a great net game, which is why he's such a good doubles player, but he's still not the guy that you want necessarily indoors. And you sure as heck don't want to be playing Ben Shelton indoors with that. So that was just a great win, uh, you know, for TCU to get from Aguilar. Shelton, didn't you know great fall you know what wasn't wasn't what they needed this weekend they'll get it straightened out uh but yeah i think that's i think what we saw is pretty much going to be you know kind of i don't think there's gonna be a lot of variability in that lineup one spot here or there they're gonna flop flip flop right you've got the whole like you said you know whether cmar is at five uh whether what those top three do uh I, I still think by the end of the year, if Shelton gets his groove going, we end up seeing him uh, back at one. But if Riffis can, gets back into form, uh, he, he could defend that spot. No, I mean, the CMR-Riffis matchup is not what that will hopefully look like when they're both healthy and in full form come May. And because you could anticipate this is a matchup we'll see happen again. I think it was just disappointing two singles in general for Florida. And I know it's their first weekend of the year, but for Duarte to lose two and three to Micah Braswell, like that's just not a loss he can take. And, you know, credit to Shelton, who drops the first set, comes back two and one and clinches that match over Texas and freshman Pierre Bailey, who I thought actually looked really good uh, in his first performance. But, you know, again, five and six. It was a staple for this team last year. and Well, it was four and six last year, Bicknell and Gujar. It's going to be five and six this year. That's where they have that advantage for sure. And even Andrade, you would feel at four pretty good about, although Ciamara is one of those exceptions to the rule, and that's a three-set pick sort of match. So I don't think you can be disappointed in that result for Andrade. Maddie, I'm curious your thoughts on Texas, but also for this final piece on Florida. The real thing is, and the doubles, you know, they bounce back. They take the doubles point dramatic fashion against Texas, certainly. They stole that third set tiebreaker. They stole that doubles point. That's a concern. And then the thing for me is, and I know it's a health thing right now. It's a continuity thing. But, like, they just can't be dropping two of the three top three. If they're dropping two of the three in the top three, they're not winning the NCAA tournament. Right. But they're not going to. And and this is going to sound weird, guys. But after last weekend... And I don't have anything to base this off of. This is just my own personal, the way that I view it, just the eye test of of me, you know, no stats, no results. I'm actually more confident in Florida now than I was a month ago. I know that sounds weird, but I believe Florida 
should and probably will win the national championship again. I think they will. I, I think the doubles is going to be improved. A guy like Seymour can make such a big difference in singles and doubles. I know you lose Bicknell and everything, but man, Riffis is going to get his game. I mean, hopefully by I'm talking, you know, postseason time, Shelton and Riffis and Duarte, like, look guys to me in terms of just raw, the lineup looking at this and just talent, Florida should win it all, man. They should. And I, I like, I, I know they lost to TCU, but in a way I'm almost more encouraged just looking at this going, yep, this is a squad. This is a team that can that can go all the way, and they probably will. So that's how I feel about Florida. I am not concerned. I am not concerned whatsoever. I know you mentioned, you know, Braswell can't beat Duarte, blah, 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 straight set. Look, it's early. Remember Florida last year, guys, early in the season? Kickoff weekend, they go to Texas, they lose, they don't even go to the national indoors. I am not worried about Florida. I think they're the best. I think that's a fair assessment. And again, this is a team that always seems to get better throughout the course of the season. Look at their SEC regular season success over the past two full seasons. And so, you know, again, we know Riffis is working his way back to health. The volley loss is puzzling. Like, that was a strange one. And maybe that's just indicative of Braswell taking another leap forward. And again, we'll go Texas and we're going to get to Tennessee, I promise. And Chris, we're going to save the rankings, actually, and what you're doing on your website for the end. Um, But... You look at the Texas side of this equation. They got to play a hidden duel the week before, but this was first match back with Spaziri, and you just see right away what that does for their depth. Again, Bailey, freshman, first serious duel match for him to go three sets with Shelton. I think that's a win that you you know probably should have taken the doubles point, and it's still very nascent stages of finding these teams and what works. I think there's a lot to build on for Coach Burke. To Maddie's point about being higher on Florida coming out of this match than going in, I'm higher on Texas after this loss, I think, if possible. Like, Bailey's the real deal, and this team has depth. Now, six is his question. Chi-Chi's going to have to play his best. But once you get Waldy back in that lineup, if you get him healthy, like, I am Chi-Chi's feeling, out. Yeah, I'm feeling very good about this Texas team, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see I want to see some more Bailey. That was the first chance I've had to watch him. And, and I have to admit, I was texting you guys while watching it. That first set was ugly. I mean, ugly from both guys. Bailey won the set, but I wasn't impressed with Bailey winning the set. And I certainly wasn't impressed with Shelton losing the set. I mean, there was just, there was not a lot of good tennis there. What I could say, what I could see out of Bailey though, was that he was able, at least in that set, to force the kind of play that he wanted to play on Shelton. He wasn't letting him just, you know, rip and hit his winners. He was making him rally. He was out rallying him. Obviously, that didn't last uh, the next two sets. But so I want to see a little more of him and see if he's got more than just sit back and, you know, not overly impressive rallies. He'll go forever, but, you know, he's eventually he's going to have to hit some winners. So I want to see a little more of him. But, yeah, that's to your point. No wall deep. Yeah, Chi-Chi's. Uh, I think Maddie's right. Chi-Chi's the odd man out when, when Waldeep's back in the lineup. Maddie, final yep. thoughts on Texas? Yeah, they're, they're going to be really good. I think ideally we see this same type of a lineup and you just insert if Bailey's going to stay at three, right? Which I think that's what they want him to do. They want him to be that top three player behind Spaziri and Braswell. You can insert Waldeep at four or at five. 
and you could put Ciamara at four or five, and then you've got Cleve at six. That is a dangerous lineup. I mean, every position is going to have a chance to win really against any team. So yeah, no, we knew Texas was going to be good guys. I mean, we had them in our top five, you know, of our contenders for a reason. And um, I, nothing has changed my thoughts on Texas. I think they are going to be absolutely one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, well, one of the teams I think all of us respect that much more coming into this season after their first weekend is this Tennessee team and what they were able to do at TCU on Sunday. And with that in mind, let's get into our show. We're going to go a bit out of order here because we did get to see this Tennessee team play their match, uh, first match of the season, and they go on the road and they're playing without Blaze Bicknell, who, yeah, we're going to talk about at the show, I promise you. They go play without Martin Prada as well. They drop the doubles point, and yet they still find four wins, clinched by Angel Diaz at the number five singles position to earn a 4-3 victory on the road at TCU. They're now the number one team in the ITA coaches poll. I'm going to start with you, Chris, because again, you're our SEC guy going out of the doubles, you know, four singles matches at a time. We were texting each other. We said they probably need to win all four of these top four singles flights, minimum three, to feel as though they've got a chance to win this match. They went out and they won three. Monday did what Monday does on indoor courts. Uh, Obviously, Mitsui, I told you guys, he's the real deal. He earns a win at four. Then Adam Walton. Uh, that's what, again, I hate to say that's what he does, but never count him out. The guy is going to steal, just, he steals points. He steals matches. He makes you play every additional ball. He earns the win over Famba. And then again, for Diaz to do what he did, and obviously he's a transfer from one of the UT schools. I apologize. I'm forgetting which one. Arlington, thank you. And has top of the lineup experience. And obviously the luxury to get that sort of guy at number five singles, you feel good about but again, no Bicknell, no Prada. They drop the doubles point and take this match. They've earned that number one spot for now. Like, this team is the real deal. Yeah, because in my mind, they were missing three guys, right? Mm-hmm. They were missing Bicknell, they were missing Prada, and they were missing doubles. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when you consider that Prada and Harper both will be in the doubles lineup when healthy— uh, you know, you're miss two of your three teams at least are out of guy if you're if they're not all different at that point. So so yeah, it's kind of like they were missing three of the seven, uh, if you will, and still managed uh to pull it off. I great, I mean, great, great win from them. Clearly, a healthy Tennessee team going to be a, a huge favorite in doubles against everybody. Uh, I mean, I I can't think of anybody that they will, if all healthy they're going to be an underdog against in doubles. If they were to play 25 matches with the, with their regular double squad, I'd expect them, you know, 20 plus wins, uh, even in a set where, even in the time where you're playing a six game set and anything can happen, they're going to win their share of doubles points. So, so giving up that doubles point. Yeah, we were, you're right. We were thinking, boy, they might need to sweep these top four because those bottom two are going to be tough. Six with Fernley even though they managed to get the first set against him, even after a, going a set down, you know, you know, with, with firmly losing a set, 
I wasn't overly concerned about Fernley. It was once they only got three of the top four, that five spot was the spot they had to have it. Uh, and, and Diaz came up big. I mean, that was, that was a huge, huge win for a guy that, you know, in all likelihood, if you get Bicknell back, if you get Prada back healthy, Diaz is probably the odd guy out. Right. So, I mean, what a way to, build, you know, build his confidence, have him being ready to be the first guy in. If somebody's sitting out, having clinched a match over TCU, he's going to have the confidence that just sets them up uh, to be that much better for when he's needed during the year, a great weekend for Tennessee and deservedly. So the number one team. And why are they our preseason number two team? It's because how many, uh, how much we know about this team coming into this season. They bring back the gang, right? It's, you know, Adam Walton at one, Joe Monday at two. Those were two of the top 25 players in the country last season. Of course, no Prada here, no Bicknell, but you bring in a guy in Emil Hutt, known commodity, a guy who's, you know, been top 100 in singles, made an NCAA tournament in doubles. You've got all of those options at the back of the lineup, whether it be Gannon or Diaz or if healthy, you know, the Harpers of the world, Walners of the world sitting on there as well. And then uh, I didn't mention Prada, who again, didn't play this match, who we know about, but then it's the new pieces too, Bicknell, you know, HUD and Mitsui, like on paper, in reality, we've seen this team have success. On paper, they bring in new talent to continue to accentuate that success. Your reaction to this opening victory and your thoughts on this team's roster? Who, me? Yeah. Yeah, a, a little surprised, really, at the result. I mean, just looking at the lineup, you would go, man, on the road at TCU, you drop the doubles point. I, this was a surprising result. I did not expect Tennessee to really go in there and and win this match. But again, you know, you look at the lineup. I mean, Walton, Walton is has to be one of the most underrated players, not right now. He has to be one of the most underrated college players in recent memory. I mean, people don't give this guy enough credit, really, Adam Walton. I know it's ugly. He wins ugly. Our friend Brad Gilbert would probably love that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I mean, the guy wins matches and he competes with everybody. And then obviously Monday is going to do what Monday does. I mean, he's just a, a flat out specimen. I still think, though, guys, there was a bit of a hangover effect from TCU. And I mentioned this earlier, but when you come off a huge win over the number one team in Florida like that, it usually goes one of two ways. I mean, and they competed, right? This was a four, three match. So it wasn't like they got blown out TCU, but I do think there was a bit of a hangover effect there, but you know, I say that and they win the doubles point. I don't know for Tennessee. I just think they need Prada back. Um, Blaze Bicknell is not coming back, guys. I mean, I think we just need to address that. He's done. I mean, he's ineligible. He can't play. Um, so I I think we just have to kind of move on and say, all right, Tennessee's without Blaze this year. Um, they need Prada back, though, because then you're going to have a little bit of a revolving door at six, I think. And remember last year, guys, for Tennessee, we would see Pat Harper at six. We would see Walner. We would see Andrew Rogers, who's no longer there they would mix and match those guys down at the bottom quite often. And I think now once Prada comes back, they're still a player short. 
like that number six position, is it Diaz? Is it Gannon? Is it Harper? Like who's going to be that number six guy? I just worry about that a little bit without Blaze. Okay. We're not going to do the Blaze thing yet. Hold that thought because I want to get there. I'm, and obviously, again, when you're looking at this team, let's talk about the, the the returning pieces, everything outside of Blaze first. And again, 4-3 victory for them. What a win. Obviously, from a rankings perspective, it's not as though the Big 12 is not going to beat up on each other. Texas, Baylor, TCU to get one of those wins over those teams. Obviously valuable for this team moving forward. But it's just worth some perspective, right, when we look at this group. And, you know, last year's team had Luca Wiendemann as well, and Giles Hussey played a role once he got to Tennessee also. That's a group that accomplished a lot. You go back to 2019 when they beat the Gators in Gainesville, SEC semifinals, now ultimately losing the final to Mississippi State, but then make the round of 16, play a chippy match with the Gators before the Gators knock them out in Gainesville once again. Walton was on that team, right? You know, I think Prada was on that team as well. And that's a group of guys that all were back in 2020. And then unfortunately, 2020 stops. And that Tennessee team was rocking and rolling at the start of 2020. And they channeled all of that, plus the addition of Joe Monday on the roster last year. And they ripped off a season of seasons for Coach Woodruff, Coach McKay, and the Tennessee program. And look, this is a Tennessee team that's been number one in the country in the past. This is a Tennessee team. You only have to go back to really 2000. Eight to 2012 when they had, you know, the Williams and the Sandgrins and the J.P. Smiths of the world that had this team competing for national indoor titles, NCAA titles, had this team making NCAA finals, whether it was the Sandgren doubles duo, Ryan Williams in singles. And then this team dropped off for a little bit, 14, 15, 16 in particular, 17, just not where they wanted to be as a team. Tennessee is back. Coach Woodruff has them rolling. Coach McKay has them rolling. Last year, indicative of that fact, you look overall on the season 28-4. and four. And let's be clear, who were those losses to? Two, uh, you look for them last year at the National Indoors. They drop a match uh, in the first match of the tournament to North Carolina, a match where they should have won the doubles point, where they had North Carolina down and out. And then they blinked, and they blinked, and they never recovered until the next day when they beat a downtrodden TCU team 4-3, but then bounced back and knock off a Texas team, obviously that went off to had a ton of success, 4-2 as well. That's when you felt like you knew. Of course, between then and the Florida match that they lost, they beat Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, drop a decision at Gainesville 5-2. And you thought, okay, you know, when they dropped that Arkansas match 4-3 on the road as well, you're like, you know, what's going on here? Was this team an indoor team? Did they peak too soon? What's the, the deal? That was not the case. You look at what this team was able to do down the home stretch of the season, whether it's, you know, beat Texas A&M 4-0 at home. And by the way, you look for this team overall on the season, 28-4, and 15-0 in matches played at home. They then go to the SEC tournament, beat Ole Miss, beat South Carolina, beat Florida twice, if you ask some people. In that SEC championship final play, the match of matches, 4-3 over the Gators. We've talked to all the different parties about that flight home, sharing the plane with the team, what that match went. Of course, they backed it up in the SEC tournament, uh, NCAA tournament as well. It was drama against Arizona, 4-3 win. And of course, that match clinched by the man you mentioned earlier, Maddie, in uh, Adam Walton. And then, you know, beat Georgia soundly. 
play a match of matches against Baylor in the semifinals. And it says 4-2, could have been 4-3. Boyton, Soto battling on courts one and two down the home stretch. Tennessee spent so much energy to win that doubles point. Had a 1-0 lead. The Bears just bringing their best stuff in the singles. The reason I recap all of that is to say, Maddie, and we'll start with you here and then I want to go to you, Chris. Did this group already max out? Like, that's a damn good season for this group. And, right, I felt like every break they needed along the way, ex- outside of maybe the doubles point against North Carolina and then the home stretch of those Soto Boyton matches, pretty much everything else went their way. Like, everyone has that one Arkansas match throughout the course of the year, and those sorts of things happen. But this team, you know, you had Monday clicking as a freshman, you had Walton playing great ball at the number one spot. Where's the room for growth? How does this team get better this year? Well, they're not going to now because they're going to be missing a player. They're short one player. But preseason, I thought I, this was going to be my national championship Well, let's team. be clear. They still bring in Emil Hud. They still bring in Mitsui. So they lose Wiedemann they and they lose uh, Hussey from last year's lineup. But it's not as though they don't have two built-in replacements. So you say they're a guy short. One could argue they actually are just as talented as they were last year. I don't know about that. When you remove Blaze from the equation, I, I don't think so. I would disagree there. But preseason, I, I would have picked this team, Tennessee, to win it all. With, with, a, with everybody in the lineup that's on their roster, we know that's not going to be the case. But, man, doubles – as good as any team in the you're talking about the national champions, Pat Harper and Adam Walton. They're they're studs. Um, and just we know Tennessee always plays good doubles, you know, as good as anybody in the country. And then you roll out that singles lineup. No, I don't think last year was maxing out or anything. In fact, I thought they were going to be able to to take it a step further. They lose in the final four to Baylor. I figured, you know what, why not take that next step and and reach the championship match? I thought for sure this team was going to be able to do that with their roster that they've they brought in. You mentioned the transfers, HUD and and you know Mitsui coming in as a freshman. I love those guys. I think it's great. I just think now, when it's all said and done at the end of the year, they end up a player short. That, so, that's what it's going to come down to. Wait, let me just explore this. I apologize, Chris. We'll let you talk eventually here, and then the floor will be entirely yours. But let me just, let me pry, let me, you know, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Wiedemann was lock at four. You know, they were they had a lock at five last year, whether it was Wiedemann, whether it was Hussey, lock. Let's go, though, case by case. Hutt or Wiedemann in a vacuum, who would you rather have in your lineup? Oh, Wiedemann, for sure. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, there's no question, man. Just the cons- Chris knows. Chris Chris watches the SEC. I mean, look, Emil Hud played higher in the line. He's a big guy, right? He's like a six five guy. Look, I like him. I watched him play a lot at Oklahoma State, but he's you know on this Tennessee team, he's got to play lower, right? He's not going to be a top three type of player when when everyone's healthy. He's going to be in the lower portion of the lineup. No way, man. If you're asking me, I would rather take Wiedemann. For sure. Same deal, Hussey or Mitsui? Come May. That one probably Mitsui. So I mean, then, I do, but so to my point, like how can you then say definitively I like I would argue sorry, go ahead. Because then you're but we're talking about the guys that are gonna be playing four and five. What about six? Well what about six? It's the That's same deal as last year. You have the same options. You have Harper, you have Waldner, you have all these people, and we're not even again Diaz as well, who just proved he can get a win at five. Like 
I think they still have options. I think they're deeper than last season. I think you add in the fact that Hutt and Mitsui have already proven they can be a top 10 doubles team in the country. And it's like, with all due respect, Hussey, you know, and Prada were pretty good. Luca was not playing doubles last year for this team. Like, you get two more well-rounded contributors to replace the ones you miss. And that's not even talking Bicknell. And I swear we're going to get there. But let's just, let's unpack this a little bit further. Chris, your take. Well, sorry, man, I cut you off. So any other thoughts or are you ready for Chris to chime in? No, Chris can chime in. I'd love to hear what he has to say here. I mean, it's funny though, Gruskin, that you, I mean, I feel like last year they, if they played that well and they lost in the final four, how are you going to tell me here without blaze that they're going to make, they're going to win the the title or, or make that championship match. I just don't see how that's possible. I think they're going to be scrapping and clawing, you know, to get into the quarterfinals and make a push for that final four spot where they were last year. I think the national championship is probably out of the equation here. I vehemently disagree. Chris, time to weigh in. Settle this argument, Professor, please. I'm not sure where I'm starting in the argument, though, because you because (laughs) you refuse to to address the blaze situation. All right, let's do it then. Let's do it now. I, we all talk to people. There's no denying that. And we're not betraying anyone's trust. Maddie, you seem to be of the camp that you have been firmly of the belief that Blaze Bicknell will not be playing. And just to discuss what is the crux of the controversy, Blaze Bicknell played a match, suited up for Florida at the beginning of the fall. Now, after that match, pretty immediately after that match, he matches. you know, um, one weekend is what I meant to say. Yeah. Excuse me, for the Gators in the fall. Now, is you know, pretty immediately after that weekend, he announced he's on the portal. He's gone. Tennessee. Without saying who or what or where, I know plenty of people who still believe Blaze Bicknell, there's an opportunity for him to play this season and that it is not written off. It is not in the books that he is unofficially off. That said, every coach that is not wearing a T on their chest for Tennessee, every single coach has filed some sort of protest or has made some sort of remark. How is this player eligible? It is the question. Chris, address the elephant. Well, he's not I'm eligible. not going to comment on on that part. I'll give you my take with or or without. I I think that you you both have valid points. There are people that are going to argue that he shouldn't be eligible, and there are people that are going to argue that he should be eligible. And we'll just wait and see what happens. Uh, I think so. So I'll go to Maddie's side and say. Let, let's let's make the case that if he's if there is no blaze, yeah. If there's no blaze, then uh, I'm actually a little probably a little harsher than Maddie is, and I lean advantage last year's team. Yeah. I take I take Luca uh, over Emil Hud all day. Emil's gonna win. He might have more upside, but he's definitely got more downside. Right? He's a he's a hit or miss big guy, big yep. game kind of guy. When you're playing four or five singles, you want the guy that just goes out and locks every match like Luca did. And is what about the doubles match. contribution though? What about that aspect? Well, I'll get yeah, I'll, I'll get okay. there. Okay, good. So 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 you know the 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 Luca uh, spot advantage Luca, the Giles Hussey spot I give to Giles. I, I'm not leaning Mitsui. I haven't seen enough Mitsui yet. Giles goes off and shows he can win futures tournaments after he leaves it's Tennessee, true. right? I, I lean, I lean Giles there. You try to bring in and they add Diaz. Well, they lost Rogers. So 
Yep. To me, that's still the depth. Yeah, that six spot is still what you had at the six spot. You had potentially Walner, potentially Harper, potentially Rogers. Now you have potentially Walner, potentially Harper, potentially Diaz. I'll call that one a wash. So I give that advantage uh, to the last year's Tennessee team. I will go far so far as to say that with the addition of the HUD Mitsui doubles team, I think they're better in doubles when when fully healthy with Harper back. I think they're they're you know a little more healthy in double or a little better in doubles this year. But all of that said to me, not quite as good in singles without Blaze, maybe slightly better in doubles. I'll call it a wash and say. Yeah, the best they could do is final four last year without a blaze. That's probably the cap this year, too. So that that's my argument. No blaze. My argument with blaze is, again, with Maddie, absolutely national championship contender. Now, that's not to say that they can't be without him. I just won't. I'm certainly not going to, you know, n- not going to lean that way. Uh, I'm gonna, it's going to be really tough without him. So, you know, we wait and see what happens, whether whether blaze is in or not. But but uh, obviously, I, I think they're a, a very serious contender with them. It's going to be a little more of a struggle without. It's fair. I like that we've already gotten to the prediction section of the podcast. That's how you know we're ready to rock and roll here. I mean, again, you look at this roster. Rodgers and Harper are the defending NCAA doubles champion. And how frequently— Walton. Oh, well, did I say Rogers? I, I did that all last year, too, so at least I'm consistent. Walden and Harper are the defending NCAA doubles champions. You bring them back, that's one. Hud and Mitsui have proven they can be a top 10 sort of team. That's two. Now, the thing was, whether it was Prada and Walner, Prada and Bicknell, Prada and whomever. Monday. Yeah, and of course, Monday. Joe Monday. Thank you. At that number three doubles position, y- you feel pretty good about the doubles point. You feel like Tennessee is going to be starting up 1-0 in just about every match that they play. With Bicknell. Or no, no, let's stay without Bicknell. We'll do the with Bicknell scenario afterwards. Although you should guys, I wish you could all see the disgust in Maddie's eye as I even continue to hypothesize that he may even play this season. Without Bicknell, Walton at one or Joe Monday at one. And by the way, we've seen Monday play a match at one singles this season. They'll flip-flop throughout the course of the year. Wouldn't shock me if we see Monday at one at the indoors, Walton at one at the, actually it might flop me if they don't do it the other way. Walton at one at the indoors, Monday at one at the outdoors, just because, you know, again, surface-wise conditions, maybe that's each of their strengths. Um, You move beyond that, you know, again, HUD on the right day at three can beat anyone in the country. It's going to be Prada. No, but, okay, fair. So you think a healthy Prada It's going to be Prada at three. So I I don't see a a distinguishable difference between Prada and HUD in that three and four singles position. You look for... Tennessee last season, again, so much success across the board. They were, uh, I believe, you look overall, 19-6 and six were Walton and Harper at the number one double spot. And, you know, Prada on Monday, 16-8 and eight at two. And, you know, again, with Hud and Mitsui replacing them as a doubles team, you feel like you bring back two teams and you add a third right away. You look for this team overall. Prada 13-9 and nine at three singles. Wasn't necessarily the answer. For this team. And so I, but you look for them, they were so reliant at success at five and six, right? You look overall for them, uh, I believe 21 and seven at the number four single spot and uh, 23 and three at the number five single spot. I still think the combo of HUD, Prada, Mitsui 
can duplicate that performance for this team this year, even without Bicknell. Like, I just fundamentally, I guess, disagree with you guys. Yeah, I think you do, man. I just, I don't know if I'm I'm sold on that yet. I don't think so. And I don't think Chris is either. Chris? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really tough. I just I think mean, you guys are, you're selling Mitsui short. This guy is, a, and I've gotten to see maybe. him play as a freshman and super athletic. There's not a lot on a tennis court he can't do. It'll be about finding that consistency. And I actually think the best version of this team has Mitsui playing three singles come the end of the year because that means he's found his comfort range. He's clicked. And now again, if you're talking HUD at four, there's just a 90% of matches he'll have the weapons to just overwhelm whoever he's playing. Prada at five now? Come on. Or even flip that. Same script. And just that was the recipe for this team last year. Doubles, then take three out of the top five. And like that path with or without Bicknell is still there. And to me, it's no difficult for them to achieve than last year. Like, again, even without Bicknell. Wiedemann and and Hussey were two very experienced players. True. Like that those were the guys that you wanted when you're making a deep postseason run, right? You're going to the final four, you're going to the championship. Look at the teams that made it Baylor. They were old. They had grad transfers as their four, five, and six. Like those were the guys that led them there. Now we're talking about freshmen and, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I would, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. They're they're all talented, and I do like Mitsui Gruskin. I really do. But you're you're talking about playing him at three. Ah, I I'm I'm not. I don't know. Well, I, I just didn't. Think, I think that's the best version of this team. And look, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to see this team battle. And by the way, we uh, we haven't talked about Connor Gannon, who takes a set off of Fernley, and I think has the serve the forehand to compete in college tennis right away. It's the rest of the stuff that the coaches are going to have to get him up to speed on. And again, if you get Diaz to slide in at six singles, that's a pretty experienced six there. And I actually think that would be a great spot for him throughout the year that fits his game style. But you look at this team. They're playing Wake Forest before the kickoff weekend. They're playing them next Tuesday. And then, you know, uh, they've got the kickoff weekend that they're playing host to. Should advance pretty comfortably. You look who's coming to town. Memphis, Western Michigan, Old Dominion. But after that, at Columbus and playing Columbia at home. Obviously, a full SEC schedule to contend with as well. We're going to get to see this team tested. And let's just entertain this on the off chance he is able to play. And Maddie, you can scoff at me all you want. You've sort of given your take. If Bicknell is in this lineup, are they national championship contenders, even winners at to you? 100%, and they probably would be my pick. Like, I think that's what I'm most disappointed in, guys, is like knowing that most likely – I'm of the firm belief that we're not going to see Blaze. I'm just – that's the mindset that I'm taking from this point forward. Until we see him, I'm, I'm not thinking otherwise. So I'm just moving on with the assumption that Blaze is not going to be a part of this run. That's what I'm most disappointed in because you're right, Gruskin. With him in there, I was so high on this team. I think even higher than you guys because I had Tennessee at number one when we originally did our rankings, right? Preseason, I had Tennessee number one. You guys did not. You both had Florida. So you know how I feel about them. But now with this news about eligibility, like it just, I guess, I don't know if I'm holding a grudge or if I just feel some type of way about that, but it's ruined a little bit of the positivity that I had from this team. It just has. And so now I'm not as high on them. 
Chris, anything you'd add there? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Maddie all along. If, if, if there's no blaze, I'll still, you know, I'll still wait and see what happens. I, I, I'm hopeful. Maddie's pretty resigned. I'm, I'm hopeful maybe that we, that we get to see him. We'll wait and see. I think it's going to be very interesting to see that wake match. What, what I don't necessarily agree with is I think Maddie and I are in the same camp that we want experienced solid guys that you know what you're going to get right if you're going to make that deep run in the NCAAs when you start talking about and and I'll admit you've seen more Mitsui than I've seen so I've seen HUD before I know that's a hit or miss game right so so that's not stead that's not a Luca Wiedemann day in day out you get the same you get a guy that's going to battle uh you know you could get an egg you could get I could beat your number one player Right. Out of HUD. If that if you get the same kind of thing out of Mitsui, the problem becomes that when they both lay an egg on the same day, you're done. Uh, so so you want those guys that lay the steady and and because you need in order to win, you know, six matches in a row, making it through the NCAA tournament, you've got to have those steady guys. You lean steady. So so I think Mitsui is going to have to prove himself. And, and I'm not saying he can't because I haven't seen enough of him. He's going to have to prove himself as a steady. I'm in there every day grinding. Uh, I'm not, hey, I'll beat your best guy and I'll lose to your number six uh, at the same time. He's going to have to be the, the, a rock-solid steady guy for them uh, if, if we're going in, in the no-blaze scenario. So it, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to see like that, that Wake Forest match uh, coming up in a week is going to be – I mean – that's going to be a great uh, telltale sign to see what we're looking what we're looking forward to there. Yeah. So again, I want to give you this opportunity as well. Bicknell does play. Let's just say it happens. Where is this team for you now? You know, I'm I'm still going to. I say they're absolutely a, a serious. I don't think they're as serious a contender without them. They're a very serious contender with them. But I'm still sticking with my with my Florida Baylor repeat final uh, and and Tennessee in the final four. I think that I think what happens is without them, the Tennessee in the final four gets a little more questionable. Um, but uh, but they're absolutely an extremely serious contender. And like Maddie said, he had them number one. You and I did not uh, preseason knowing knowing that we, you know uh, with Blaze lineup, it's absolutely feasible. I, they're you know they're right there. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested actually to see when Prada, we all know Prada's had, you know, he's a little hurt. That's why he wasn't playing. He's probably capable of playing right now. Now it's a matter of just getting back into good enough form because they've got guys like Diaz uh, that are good enough to be in front of him when he's not a hundred percent. They don't have to play him at 85 or 90%. They've got other guys. Does he get back in the form that, sh- that he was at when he was playing three last year? If he gets back there, it's a really good team. Let, let's see how that shakes out. Yeah, it's fair. I would point out this. If they have Bicknell, I mean, come on now. Now this They're team as good has as staff, anyone. Yeah, and they've got answers everywhere, every flight, one through six. And I will say this, and it's a take I've been waiting to give, the intangible quality about this team. They are not afraid of Florida. And I know that sounds stupid, but if we agree Florida was our preseason number one, and we did, and obviously we've seen some play unfold since then, still pretty high on the Gators. This, Why I like this team, why I like this core intrinsically so much, and I think we saw it manifest itself this weekend, 
they know how to win. Like, I know that's really stupid. This group, and you can say that there's some unknowns in the lineup, but the core of this group, Walton, Harper, Prada when he returns, these guys just fight and they scrap and they claw and they have the intangible quality, that it factor. Which team loves themselves, you know, loves each other the most? That's the team that wins at the end. This team has that going for them. And, you know, getting to be a part of that ride last year, Monday now expects to be a winner. He expects, you know, you know, to be competing for SEC titles and NCAA championships because that's all he knows at Tennessee. And Emil Hud, he didn't transfer there to be a middling SEC team. He transferred to Tennessee because he thinks they're the hot thing right now. And he thinks this team has a chance to win a national title. And yes, I'm the one who's seen him play the most. I am certain, certain that Shinsuke Mitsui is going to be one of the top five freshmen in college tennis this season. He's got that sort of talent, former top 10 junior in the world. But again, this group, Walton, Monday, Harper, Prada, when they're talking and, you know, in the locker room, shooting the S and just shooting the You know what? I haven't sworn in a while, so it's good. Let's get some passion. When they're doing that in the locker room and they're reflecting on last season, I guarantee you, because guess what? I used to think like this. I guarantee you they're sitting there and going, Man, we should have won the championship last year. Like, man, if if we could just Monday, if you would have, you know, secured and not gotten broken back against Soto or Walton, like, you know, you were coming back against Boyton. Who knows? Maybe you win that one. They can talk themselves, legitimately talk themselves into saying, "Well, we beat Baylor," and then if we beat Baylor, we're beating Florida. We just beat them at the SEC championship. We're not afraid of that team. And by the way, we just took your undefeated four singles horse. We're even less afraid of you than we were last season. With the margins being as thin as they are this year in college tennis, those intangible, unmeasurable qualities, belief, confidence that you can't fake, this team has in spades. And I'll tell you what, I've been super positive about this team on this podcast. This team, for this is, by the way, year four of this podcast, I would have said this phrase unadulterated. Now I feel some reservations before saying this, but four years ago, I wouldn't have. This team... Like, way too early last year in the semifinals. They were so emotional after taking the doubles point against Baylor. And they spent too much energy. They did. And I think, with all due respect, if you had a truth serum in Chris Woodruff and a truth serum in James McKay, and you said to them, did you guys celebrate too much after taking the doubles point? I think they'd say yes. And I think that experience of saying, look, we're professionals now. We, you know, semifinals isn't a joyride. That's the goal for us. And this team has seen what it takes to accomplish that goal. And that's, you know, there are a lot of new teams with talent across the board this season. This team is, despite it being HUD and Mitsui, like the core is back. Prada, Monday, Walton, Harper, Walner, all these guys are back. The culture remains from last season. I just don't think you can measure that. And so we've completely busted the order here. You know, it's been College Contenders Unchained, today's episode. I suppose we've given predictions, but I think we've said all there is to say. So with that in mind, final thoughts, Matty, on this Tennessee team, what they're capable of, what you expect them to do. I know you've given these takes, but crystallize it one more time. Without Prada, with uh, without Bicknell, with Bicknell. Well, no, I'm just I'm I'm going on the assumption that Bignell is not there. So um I, I do think they're still in the SEC. They're they're a top team, right? I mean, we're talking about Florida and Georgia and Kentucky and South Carolina, right? These top SEC teams. Tennessee is absolutely 
still in that mix. There is no question about it. They're up there and they're going to be able to compete in the conference with every team. I'm not worried about that. But no, I, I'm not going to pick them to win the SEC now. I, I think I'm going to have to make uh, make Florida my pick to win the conference at this point. Um, and then on a national scale, look, I had this team in the championship. I did back preseason, but now I have to change that. And, it, you know, at this point, that's going to screw up my quarterfinalists and everything, but I don't really care. <laughs> I think Tennessee needs to, their goal, get to the quarters. Get to the quarters and if you can get there, you're going to be playing a really good team in the quarterfinals. And and if if you can find a way to to win a doubles point and win some of those matches, then yeah, maybe they can find a way to get back to that final four where they were last year. But it's such a different team, guy. It really is. Like, let's think about it. The the lineup that they just rolled out against TCU this past weekend, the only two guys were Walton and Monday right? Three through six, all newcomers to that team. And so I just think it's going to be a long road back to that final four without blaze. And, and I just, I don't think, I don't think they'll be able to win the championship. I think they're going to end up being about a player short. So I say they get to the quarters. Um, Anything past that, I'm not comfortable I'm not comfortable saying they're a Final Four team, right, guys? We look at Florida, we look at Baylor, Texas, Ohio State, Virginia State. There are there are other teams. TCU, TCU. There are other teams. When we're talking about the Final Four, I I've got to have the Volunteers out of of the Final Four. Chris, I feel like we haven't been kind to you, Chris. I feel like you've got like a three minute rant in you right now that you just some things you haven't said you want to get off your chest. No, I, I mean I. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with my my initial predictions of Tennessee going to the Final Four. Look, I think it's a. I, I just think it's a big step to Florida and Baylor. I know it's even with Blaze. It's it's they're right there at that level. But just getting over that hurdle is just gonna is it's a big hurdle. I like Florida and Baylor. Is it going to be easier with Blaze? Sure. Even without him, I still take him to the Final Four. I think, look, they rolled out a team without him that just knocked off TCU. Uh, granted, TCU no Vives, but they didn't have him last year, and they beat Florida without him. So, uh, I mean, it's a great – it's a, a good team that they knocked off with no Blaze. And, and, by the way, no Prada. And, by the way, no doubles. I mean, no. when I say no doubles, no, you know, not the teams they will have. So, so I, I think they get – I think they make a run to the Final Four – I really like them there. I don't know if it's going to be really tough to get beyond that. So that's kind of where, you know, where I, where I call it for them, but uh, you know, what I, about in the conference, Chris, in the sec, you know, the sec and just Stack to them. add, and sorry, Maddie, but just to add to that component, let's say Maddie's scenario is right. And this Tennessee team isn't amongst the elite of the elite. Well, let's say they get through the kickoff weekend under Maddie's projection. There's a world where they go one and two instead of two and one, or there's a world where, you know, again, they are not earning a bunch of top 10 wins for the SEC to bank on. And then all of a sudden, unless Georgia's also at the indoors, unless South Carolina's also at the indoors, Kentucky's at the indoors, there's a trickle-down effect to the rest of this conference. And without Bicknell, 
Don't you feel like Kentucky can beat this team? That match in Lexington this season, Georgia as well, South Carolina as well. Under Maddie's scenario, Chris, there's a world where Tennessee takes a couple of lumps. And as such, you know, it felt like the SEC was a lock to have two top eight teams. If Tennessee's not as good as we thought Tennessee might be coming into the season, doesn't that hurt the rest of the conference as well? I mean, that's an if I... Whatever. I'm not worried. <laughs> they're good. They're good no matter what. I mean, okay. I, you know, it, we're, we're talking about good. You know, are they number two good versus number eight good? Yeah. Okay, right? so I that's mean, what I'm trying to clarify for all the listeners here is that's the distinction Maddie and Chris are trying to make is let's be clear. We're not saying the, the floor is falling out. This is still a top 10 team. Absolutely. The question, the question is, are they yeah. two now or are they like six or seven? Right. Right. Yeah, and they're going to the they're going to indoors, right? I mean, they've got Memphis, Western Michigan, Old Dominion. Yeah, uh, they're they're not going to lose come at home to those teams. They're gonna, they're going to go to indoors, and they're going to get you know get a chance to take their shots. So yeah, I don't, I'm I'm not worried from that perspective at, at all. This is a really good team. They'll find their way uh, through the year, and and I like you said, I I think the one thing that's going to help in while they're finding their way in, in singles and what that lineup is, all of those questions is just the fact that I think unquestionably the doubles are better this year. So that's the one constant that will help them that it's going to be very hard once they get their guys back and healthy. You know, I mean, you get Prada back in the lineup, probably a Prada Monday pairing. You get Harper back playing with Walton, defending NCAA champs. You've already got Hud and Mitsui together. That's a crazy good doubles lineup. That's going to be rock solid. If you start out 1-0, no matter what, you're in good shape. So so they're going to find themselves in the middle of good battles no matter who they play. Yeah. Did Harper not play doubles? Who played number one doubles with no, Adam he, Walton? He played with Walton. It was Harper and Walton this weekend. Yeah. That's what I thought. So their doubles lineup was almost intact except for Prada. There's no Prada. Right. Right. And they lost that dubs point to TCU. And they lost at, ironically, right, guys, at numbers one and two. Exactly. Th- those are the teams that we expect Harper and Walton at one, and then Mitsui and Hud at two. Both of those tandems lost. I mean, yeah. it's something to, it's, it's notable. Yeah, but they still won the match. Like, that's what I'm and saying. And they still won the match, right. Without Bicknell or Prada. And that's where it's like, this team is freaking good. Like, let's be clear. This team is top 10. I still am on yes. the, even without Bicknell, I think this team can win a national championship. I think Mitsui's that good. I think HUD, I mean, if you have HUD in your bottom three, you're winning matches. And I think that's, again, where this, he might ultimately end up, you know, Angel Diaz is going to win a lot of matches for you at six throughout the course of the year, and I don't see him playing much higher than that once they get Prada back. And again, like, who's ever the five singles for this team, you throw in as a lock again, whether it's Prada, whether it's Hud, whether it's Mitsui. That's how talented that this player is. The question is, A, whomever's at two, whether it's Monday, whether it's Walton, can they replicate the success TC, uh, Tennessee had at that spot last season? Because if they do, doubles point two five. There's your recipe for Tennessee. Three points right again. They're a three-point team. Can they find four? That's the question, Uh, certainly. And so, you know, again, we flushed out a lot of things. Chris, 
I, for some reason, I just feel like we haven't gotten the most out of you this podcast, so you get the final word today. Any final thoughts on the Volunteers uh, this season? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I just think right right now, I think it's too much, too much everybody wanting to, you know, wanting to hang hang everything on the, are we going to see Blaze or not? That's going to, you know, we'll see that soon enough. It's a really good team no matter what. This is a, you know, we're talking about what is right now the number one team in the country, and we're downplaying well, you know what what the upside is for this team it's a really good team let me they be clear you guys are downplaying i would like to be clear i am not <laughs> <laughs> no i'm saying regardless blaze no blaze it's a final four team for me either either way uh and and i think and indoors look these guys play more indoors they than they do out where they're at they they're a very good indoor team they're always a very good doubles team they should show very well at indoors so i mean regardless again and the the coaches aren't going to care either hey we got to play whoever's we're throwing out there so whoever's whoever's eligible whoever's healthy whatever they expect to go to indoors and at least go two and one if not win the whole thing so so i expect to see a very good showing from them they're going to be coming in uh barring you know something happening you know, they've got Wake. I think they've got an Ohio State match. Uh, you know, they will win their kickoff weekend. Uh, so then they've got some, a, a little bit more before we get to to Seattle. But it's going to be a very, very interesting lead into indoors. I still expect to see them do very, very well. This team is really, really good. And so, again, all season long, I think they are going to be in the mix for the SEC championship. I think they will beat Florida once this season. Where that once is, I'm unsure. I think this is a team that will have success at the National Indoors because, again, as those other teams try to figure out who plays where, who goes what, this team knows. We know our doubles pairings if everyone's healthy. We know it's Walton Monday at one, Mitsui, Prada, Hud, three through five, Diaz, Walner, Harper, who's ever healthy, playing best at six. This team has answers everywhere, and they just there's a little bit more uniform or a clarity for this team early on in the season. That's why I think they're going to have a big national indoors. I think my hot, I mean, they're number one in the country right now. A hot take that they win the national championship, but they could win the freaking national championship, uh, national indoor championship. Excuse me, but like they could absolutely win the national indoor championship. That's how te- good this team is indoors, and I think if they're searching for one this year, that's the more likely of the two. Yeah, look, I mean, look, Gruskin, they, you talked about it. They won the match at TCU without doubles. Yes, it was only Prada, but I'm going to make, I will say, you bring Prada back in the lineup if you play Prada and Monday together and you play them at two and you get to push Hud and Mitsui down to three, which you tweeted about early in the year, like, this is a joke. If we get to play Hud and Mitsui at three, that's a ridiculous three dubs team. And they can make they can set the lineup like that. That's an extra point they didn't even get at TCU that they should win every match very easily. They could go run indoors with that if they've got Prada back with Monday and they get to play Hud and Mitsui at three dubs. It's a totally different doubles team like that. Yeah, I it, know it, it's it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And so Tennessee. Number two in our preseason rankings. Maddie's done the 180. Uh, obviously, the moment we know con- confirmed 
whether Bicknell is in or out, rest assured, we'll be back here to talk about those things. Now, what I've decided, we're going to save the coaches poll for our number one preseason team episode. I do, however, with their college tennis being, uh, with college tennis being on the horizon, want to talk about what's available for all of those fans out there. Chris, college tennis ranks back rocking and rolling. Talk us through what you did this weekend. And shout out to you, by the way, for responding to peer pressure. Uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just you, but you know the uh, the countless number of coaches, uh, and that, as they as one started coming in, and the next, and the next, and the next, going, "Hey, is the week ahead page ever okay. going to work again?" I would just like to add to that that I got text after text after text after text. Hey, why hasn't Chris started the website yet? And I was like, do you think I haven't yelled at him? I was like, you know who texts him that to? Me. Um, and so, yeah, everyone, Chris, you're in demand. Yeah, so... Should so I tell your wife, up. like, hey, he's got options. Like, there are coaches everywhere who would entertain him. <laughs> yeah, collegetennisranks.com, right? We've got the we got the schedules back up. We're going to do... There's going to be some good stuff uh, up there. There's, uh, you know, a little growing pains and in, in pulling in data from different sources this year but we're actually going to try to get all of the schedules for from from the schools not just from the ita because a lot of the complaints last year right were especially with uh for whatever reason i don't know have any idea why this is but our west coast teams don't seem to uh don't seem to get their schedules loaded ahead of time anywhere but their website so they weren't showing up and you know we would constantly hear coach macy saying hey you know, you got USC playing this weekend and they weren't on my schedule. <laughs> Hopefully we resolve that this year. And those, those, uh, those matches show up no matter what, but, uh, but yeah, we've got the schedules out there. Uh, we've got the current rankings out there. We will, will hopefully be able to do the, the formula based rankings. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that, but everything is, is back up and running and you'll see probably over the next week, uh, some subtle changes, uh, here and there as we work to get match times back up like they were last year and be able to sort them based on time. But but everything's there. And uh, as always, uh, if there's anything that you uh, you don't see or you want to see, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I may have to dragoon one, if not both of you. I'm not sure if we're going to do our number one show this week or not. I, I, it's really up to you guys. We can discuss that as soon as we're done here. But I may ask one of you to come back with me for a brief mini break update over the course of the next two days to talk about what action we've got happening this weekend because there is plenty of fun stuff across the board. Of course, we are already well over the hour mark. But again, College Tennis Ranks, the place to go for all of these updates, week behind, week ahead, you name it, the rankings. They will be rocking and rolling again from the men's side. I mean, Texas, Arizona, uh, we've got this weekend. Illinois, Ohio State, which your boy is going to be on the call for. We've got that happening on Saturday. Of course, UCF at Florida, Wake Forest at Tennessee, Harvard at Virginia. College tennis is back. As such, we are back. Of course, we'll be here each and every week throughout the season, breaking down all of the action. If you missed any of our preseason coverage, whether it be the College Contender Series, whether it be our Power 5 coaching interviews, you can catch up on them all on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, we're also covering a little thing called the Australian Open. Any updates you'd like from that, you can follow along with us there. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. If you want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. He's at Matt underscore Stack. He's at I am less talented than I once was or at College Tennis Ranks at Chris Hallioris, whatever you're looking for. Uh, with all that said, Maddie, I, it was combative between you and I today. But by the way, that just is good podcasting. You know I love you always. Final thoughts? Look, 
let me let me just say this because maybe I was a little bit harsh on this team. I do still think they're a very very good team, a top level team. Like we said, top 8 quarterfinalist type team. I just had hopes that they were going to win it all, right? To me, I I kind of pictured the Volunteers as man, this team has a legitimate shot to win the national championship this year. And I guess I'm just a little bit more disappointed than anything else. Um, and, and maybe that's why I made some of those comments. We'll see how it shakes out. They still have the talent. I love Walton and Monday up there at the top. I am still very excited to watch this team play throughout the season. But at this point, I just I feel like those those national title hopes are probably gone at this point. That That's all. Well, for the record, that's why I wanted to ask the question of being like, we're still clear this is a top 10 team. And right away you no jumped question. in and you said, yeah, like that's I think was very clear for Tennessee Nation. Like you are high on this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm well so high on this team that I had in my preseason it's, number one. I think that tells you all you need to know, um, you know, but hey, things happen. You know, no, it doesn't uh, work out the way you want it to. A hundred percent. And just again, to that point, like it's about how thin the margins are at on top, TCU could be preseason number one. They're not. They were much lower down the yeah. list. Excuse me. And like Stanford, very talented. We saw Axel Geller play this weekend. Still much lower down the list. It's There's locked There's just and loaded. so many teams, guys, this year, the parody. We talk about it all the time. The depth in college tennis is as good as it's ever been right now. A guy like Blaze Bicknell makes a huge difference. He just does. A guy that doesn't lose matches in the middle portion of the lineup, that's the guy that you want. You know, if you're going to make that title run, look what he did with Florida last year. Led him to the to the championship. So, um, very good team. It's going to be fun, and we'll see how it goes. No, absolutely. Um, again, do I do three minutes here at the end on Michigan-Virginia Tech? Let me just say – Quickly, 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 quickly. And then, Chris, final word goes to you. But quickly, quickly, quickly. There's a world where Gavin Young clinching in his first match for a team is actually the best possible thing that could happen for a freshman. Yeah, we were not good in doubles. And yeah, Fenty was a little flat at one. 4-2, boys. 4-2. You know what you do? You celebrate. On To quote Coach Belichick, we're on to the next one. Chris, final thoughts to you. Wow, I mean... If you're going to open that, <laughs> I mean, a little flat. I I mean, the Vegas bookies lay like better than 50-50 odds that you get more games off Fishback <laughs> than Fenty did. I mean, come on. I mean, that was absurd. Like, two? I mean, I, I don't get it. But, yeah, that, still, a, a win's a win. And uh, yeah, let's not uh, let, let's not sell Tennessee short. Anything can happen. I mean, hell, Alize Cornet just beat Muguruza. Come on, let's. I mean, anything can happen. So uh, this, this Tennessee team is going to be good. That's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm, you know, I'm keeping my hopes up because I'm still banking on a reunion for all of us March 13th for a great match at Knoxville uh, between the, the Gators and 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 the. Uh, and the volunteers so so who knows what happens we'll see let's let it all play out no absolutely that's going to be the fun well with all of that said jam-packed episode we're rocking and rolling folks we are back and of course we are ready for the college tennis season to begin with all that said uh by the way a shout out as always to our super producer forgot to throw him in here daniel westoff for the 
of an editing job he does day in, day out. And by the way, it's going to be some sort of podcast for him to edit. I don't even know what direction we went in in order of talking about things. But with all of that said, for our fantastic co-hosts, Matt the Cracks, Dakota, Chris Hallios, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.